0: Hello and welcome
1: to the podcast of Pastor James Biddle and Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Remember, we are blessed to be a blessing.
0: Heavenly Father, we bring these people on our list before you and we thank you that you're moving in their lives. God, we are trusting you and we're stepping out in faith that you are moving in their midst that you're ministering to them. Lord, we ask that you would send other Christian laborers across their path to share your word with them. And, uh, and we thank you for good things to come. We thank you for great results, father, as we pray for these people that need a touch from you, that need to know you in a personal way. And we thank you for that father in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I ask this morning that you would help me to minister to the people that are here today. I pray that you would help me to, um, to minister your word, that they would leave encouraged, that they would leave inspired. And we thank you again for your goodness and for your mercy, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, I usually don't title a lot of message, but I put a title to this message, and, and I thought, and I was talking to Pastor James and Pastor Michael about this. I said, well, this message is kind of, the title of this message is a little bit cheesy, but it works. And you know what? If there's ever a church that you could be cheesy in, it's this one. There we go. Right? Right? So if you would put my the title slide up. So I'm going to talk to you guys about taking the opportunity. And so what does that mean? Because when we have opportunities to share the gospel or to minister to people, it is never, it's hardly ever a thing where you feel like you can just kind of slip under the radar and like, oh, well, Hey. And let me just, you know, kind of mention this to you. You a lot of times you have to kind of hop in deep. And I'm not saying that you want to beat some Bible bang somebody and give them the four spiritual laws, you know, turn or burn and that kind of stuff. But but what we want to do is we need to really trust God and so much we're hopping into their life, but really what we're doing is we're taking a it it really is a leap of faith for us a lot of times to do this. So let me ask you a question. Just think about this. Who was it that first shared the gospel with you? Because they took the opportunity. I mean, yeah, it's easy for a pastor or somebody an evangelist to stand up and preach and share the gospel. I mean, they're probably, you know, there's a calling on their life, they're used to doing it, but what about the people that first started sharing the gospel with you? What about the person that led you to Christ? Think about that. They took a risk that maybe they wouldn't be rejected or whatever, but they decided that they were they were going to share the gospel with you. When I was in college, I've shared a little bit of this before. I wasn't I wasn't raised in church at all, and when I became a Christian, I didn't know the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. I called myself a spiritual donut hole. I mean, I cuz I knew nothing. Um I really and and I used to and, and I used to think, "Well, if God wants to save me, why doesn't he just save me? Why do I have to why is this why do I have to go to church or what all does this stuff mean?" But um when I was in college, um a lot of guys, I I went to college and, um, I told myself before I went to college, I said, you know, I'm going to study. I got to keep my scholarships. I got to keep my grades up because I was a partier in high school. And I said, I'm just not going to drink. I'm going to really, I'm going to really stay focused. And so the first weekend on Friday and Saturday night, I was wasted. And so from September till May, I think I was drunk maybe every, when I was in college, I was drunk every single weekend. And, um, so these guys that I was, I partied with all the time, um their names were two two of the guys were jim and dave and they became christians and they got really fired up for god and they started a bible study in the dorms and they would talk to me about coming and of course i had wanted nothing to do with that but these guys started praying for me so i moved out of the dorms after a few months and i got an apartment and um it was a few months before i graduated from college and um this guy, Jim, he called my house, and he asked me he to call my apartment. He wanted to come over. He came over. And um, and uh, he came over, and we just started talking. I'll never forget this, sitting in my living room, sitting on this ugly you know, college guy, green couch. And we sat there, and this guy was this big, huge Italian guy that all the girls thought was just the greatest thing in the world, Mr. Romance, Mr. Par- used to be Mr. Partier. And he started crying. And he started crying, and he said, I'm just afraid that you're going to go to hell if you don't accept Jesus. And he started reading the Bible to me, and I was like, I don't want anything to do with this. I, so, so just stop. And, and so he just, he, uh, I don't remember what else he said, but he left me a, uh, a little track of some New Testament verses. And so I kept it, and I just threw it in the sock drawer. But you know what? On Saturday and Sunday mornings when I was hungover, I would get that little book out, and I read it, and I read it, and I read it. But before he left that day, he said, I know someday you're going to become a Christian. And I was like, how do you know? And he said, because your name is on, the, on our list. We're praying for it. I was like, wait, wait, wait. What? A list? There's a list? Naughty or nice? What? He was like, yeah, your name's, name's on the list. I said, I, I take my name off of the list. And he was like, there's only one way you can get off of the list, and that's when you accept Jesus. And I said, I'm not doing that. So I graduated from college. And, and uh, my alcohol, my drinking was was a problem when I was in a little bit of a problem in high school. It was a big problem in college. And then when I got out of college, I started drinking by myself. I was working at an ad agency. I would put on a suit and tie, and I would go to work. And a lot of times I drank before I worked. So a few times I was actually drunk when I got to work, and it really started scaring me. And um, I was just thinking about, man, I need to do something. Is God really real? Is this, Is this? What What am I going to do? Because I was pretty getting desperate. And then I thought, well, I can go see my buddy from high school. His name is Greg that always had good pot. So uh, I decided that, uh, one day I was going to go meet Greg and, uh, let's forget all this Jesus stuff. Eh, the list. We'll, we'll talk about that later. And so, so I go to meet my buddy Greg and I go to his house and, uh, and he's not there. His brother Mike's there. And so, um, anyway, so he says, well, just come on in. Greg will be back later. So I go in. And so Mike was a couple of grades younger than me. And so he says, hey, come in, come in this room, in my bedroom. I'm going to show you something. And I was like, all right. So I go in. Guess what he does? He whips out the Bible. I'm like, oh, the Jesus freaks are surrounding me. And so he says, "I really want to I really want to show you some stuff from the Bible I've been praying for you." I'm like, "What do you wh- wh- why do you want to show me this?" I said, "I just came here to buy some weed." And uh and so he starts to share the gospel with me. And I said, "You know, I have some friends in college that told me about stuff and I'm just really not interested in this." And he said, "Well, I know one day you're going to become a Christian." I was like, "How do you know?" And he said, "Because your name is on our list." I was like, Wait! "Wait. There's two lists? I'm not kidding you." And he said, there's a bunch of us from high school. We're praying for people that we want to see get saved. And he showed me his list with my name on it. And so I got mad and I left without my weed. And a, few, and a few weeks later, I decided, you know what? Something's got to change in my life. And I got up on a Sunday morning and I put, I was living with my parents at the time and I put on my suit and my tie and, uh. My mom's like, hey, it's not Monday morning, it's Sunday. She thought I had the days mixed up and I was going to work. And I said, I'm going to church. And she was like, you're what? I said, I'm going to go to church. She said, well, where are you going to church? And I, there was a church that I drove by all the time. And uh, and so I decided to go to this Baptist church in in, this, in the city where I was, where I grew up. And I went to the church. And when I went and I heard this pastor preach, I was like, this is my answer. Jesus Christ is my answer. And so, I just, and so he presented the gospel in a different way And I was like, man, do I want to do that? I don't know So I thought, "I'm good, next week, I'm going to do it next week so. so I went to church the next Sunday And we had some missionaries came in And guess what? No one presented the gospel that morning And it freaked me out I was like, I was gonna, I sat on the second row on the end. This is church, like 600 people. I sat on the second row on the end because I was gonna be the first one up there when the guy said, you can come up here and you can accept Jesus. So I didn't know you could accept Jesus in your home, in your car, whatever. So I thought you had to do it at church. So the next week, I I got rid of all my secular music. I listened to Christian music. I listened to people preaching on the radio. I was driving to work. Lord, please don't let me crash and die. I'm gonna go to hell because I gotta get to church next week. I thought if I didn't get saved at church, I couldn't get saved. So the next week, I the third time I went, I accepted Jesus and, um, um, and never looked back. But I'm telling you, our lists and the people that we pray for and the people that are willing to take that opportunity to share the gospel with us, it takes root, it takes seed, and it really does change our destinies. Amen? Amen. Let's look at a couple of verses this morning. Um I first want to look I want to, let's answer some questions of and let me tell you well, I'm going to share this this morning with you and I'm going to I'm telling you this right now I don't, I don't want to come across and I was talking to Susan and Luis about this um, and I and I said uh, I just don't want to come across like hey I've got this down I do this all the time I don't but I want to. And so, but I wanted to take a look at, we all have a lot of reasons of what keeps us from sharing the gospel with people? What keeps us from taking the opportunity? So let's take a look at these. Go to the next slide there for me. First one, the toughest one, I think is family. You know, for us to go in and just share the gospel with people in our family, why do you guys think it's so tough? It's, this, it's the hardest for me. It's always been the hardest for me. I think it's because my family has seen me mess up They've seen me be a jerk, at which I was just a jerk once. But, um, but, uh, but my, pam- my family, have s- had they've seen me mess up. They've seen me be mean. They've seen me do- make a lot of mistakes. And, um, and I also think that, and let's go to the next one. This is another reason why this family is so hard. It's because we don't want our family to reject us. Wow. Sounds like a little race car. Uh <laughs> That kid was zooming out of here. Um, but family is the hardest, and I think the re- a lot of reasons why we don't share the gospel with people is because, let's face it, none of us really want to be rejected. And especially when you do take that opportunity. We all know that you're doing it. When my buddy Jim came to, to meet with me and started crying, that guy was as vulnerable as you get. The guy that said, hey, come in the bedroom and, and let me show you some stuff from, my, from the Bible, that guy was taking a risk. Yeah. And he was, t- but he was taking an opportunity to make a difference in my life. And when we do those things, it's tough. I'm sure that Tyler Brooke, you guys experienced that on campus. Just sharing the gospel with people on campus is sometimes, um, you just know you're going to get rejected. And sometimes that, that sting is, is, is kind of rough. Look at the next one. Re- keeps us from taking the risk. We feel the results are up to us. So many times we're, we we want to share the gospel or we maybe we want to pray with someone. Well, what if God doesn't show up? What if, and we just can't rely, think about if, what, it, um, what if the results are up to that. So let's look at number four. Number four, we're not sure if the Holy Spirit's leading us. Well, I think my waitress might know Jesus. I don't know, I need to. And so we think that that, that, we, that we're not sure if God's leading us. And I had a guy tell me a long time ago, he said, if, if you're just led to do something or say something nice, just do it. If God's not leading, it, it's still a good thing to do. It's a great thing to remember. Number five, a fear of of of, of people uh, asking us questions about the Bible. What if Adam and Eve never would have eaten the apple and somebody else did it? Would the world still go into sin? Or like, I don't know. So people ask us questions. will ask us biblical questions. It's okay to say, I don't know. And a lot of times when people ask me a question, I'm not really sure if I want to get into some kind of a doctrinal thing. I kind of, t- I'll turn the conversation into just sharing my testimony. Well, let me t- just say there's something really cool that God's done for me lately. And kind of, at least kind of, Avoid the the doctrinal questions. Number uh, numbers next one number six is we have distractions and busyness. This is the this is the number one thing for me. I just have a lot of we all have so much stuff going on, and um and nowadays we all know that we're we're kind of all phone and and iPad obsessed. But there's so many things now that are taking our distractions, and when really the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us and wants to move through us. And that's but that's the one of the one of the biggest things for me is um is just being distracted and being busy, but I'll tell you this that um um when I ask the Lord for to give me some divine appointments to set me up to talk to people, it's extremely rare that it doesn't happen, and I don't know but you guys but um I know sometimes when people have to fly a lot, and I used to tra- travel a lot, um, but I would pray all the time for the Lord to sit me by somebody that needed something from him. And it was amazing the people, I mean, I sat by, there was a time that I sat by this guy who was going to get a, he was in the military, and he didn't know the Lord, and he was going to get his first prosthetic leg, and I was able to pray with him. And just, it was just amazing the times that I got to minister to people. You know, it's kind of nice to be on an airplane, because, you know, then they're kind of trapped. You know, and um, and so and so, but um, of course I try to be really sensitive. And there's other times I get on an airplane and I'm like, God, I'm really tired. I don't want to talk to anybody, but then something will still happen. But God wants us to take the opportunities, and He wants us to ask Him for those opportunities. And when we ask Him, He will bring them to us, and He'll show us great stuff. Let's look at the the first verse that we want to look at this morning. It's from First Peter chapter four. 1 Peter chapter 4 says this, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the the fiery ordeal that has come to you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Verse 14, I want to focus on this this morning. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and God rests upon you. You know, we hear a lot about the, you know, and and it's great and it's truth, But about how the same power that raised Christ from the dead resides in us. And that is true. Paul told us that in Romans. It's true. The same power that raised Christ from the, from the dead resides in each and every one of us as believers. But how cool is it that we just read this, this verse? Go to the next slide there for me. For this, for the spirit of glory, of the glory of God rests on you. And this is what it means in the Greek. It means to recognize refreshing keeping calm and expecting. How awesome is that? We have the same power of the, that raised Christ from the dead, but we also have the spirit of the glory of God that rests on us. And with it resting on us, we can recognize, we need to recognize what he's refreshing us and, he, and the spirit of God that rests on us keeps us calm and keeps us expecting great things. So when we're taking these opportunities, remember that the spirit of God rests upon you and there's going to be there's going to be results even if you're talking to someone about christ and they just totally deny you or they don't want to hear anything about it we still have opportunities to plant seeds and we can that we can take that time at this time of or or knowing that he's rests upon us as a refreshing to staying calm and but also expecting him to move that's awesome let me um let me share something with you. When I, when I first became a Christian, I moved from Ohio, and I, and I moved to Los Angeles. And I moved to Los Angeles because I wanted to work at a big advertising agency, and I wanted to start my life over with Jesus, and I was really tired of snow. So I decided to move to L.A. I moved to L.A., and I didn't have a job. I had never been there. I didn't know anybody, and I just packed up my little uh, Datsun uh, 310, and I drove— to Los Angeles and when I drove to Los Angeles I thought man this is gonna be cool I'm gonna go to Hollywood I'm gonna go and I went it was Labor Day weekend and there was thousands of people in the streets and there was this Darth Vader Luke Skywalker billboards and they were shooting lasers across the street and I was like I freaked I was like oh my gosh what am I doing here by myself without a job and I'm gonna sleep in my car tonight but I moved to LA and it was really actually one of the coolest things I ever did and um and so I started going to this Baptist church, and the Baptist church was about between six and 7,000 people. And our pastor was, if you know much about the Southern Baptist organization, he was president of the Southern Baptist Convention twice. So he was like the highest guy up in, the, in that denomination. And uh, anyway, his name was Dr. Jess Moody. And uh, I started going to the church, and I became a member there, and I started a conversation with him. And of all things, he was like, hey, you, I would really like to spend some more time with you. And he started talking about discipling me. So I started spending time with them, And he gave me this book he he wrote called Too Good to Keep. And it was about sharing your faith with people. And so I was like, yeah, show me how to do this. So he started showing me this guy who's you know, basically pastor of every Southern Baptist church in the country, wanted to spend some time with me, which was phenomenal. And it was so awesome. And so after a few weeks of us talking, meeting, he said, hey, let's go down to Hollywood. And uh, let's go down and let's talk to people about Jesus. And this guy was probably like in his mid 50s, and but just a really, really great guy. And he had a heart for the people in in Hollywood and in the film industry and stuff. So we would go down to Hollywood Boulevard on a Friday, Saturday night. And I'm telling you, there's so many people you can barely move. And it was amazing we, that we started sharing the gospel with with people and the people that would want to accept Jesus. And we got to share our faith with people like Britney Spears and Barbara Streisand and Cher. They were all guys in drag, but still, it was really cool. <laughs> so, so. We would, we would, he told me, he said, find the craziest, wackiest people that you can find. And he said, because they're usually the people that are hurting the most. And I can tell you that we would go down went, um, go down there and we really did minister to people that were really in trouble, to prostitutes and people that were, you know, dressed up as males, you know, female street performers and stuff. And we led people to Christ on the streets. It was amazing. And then, um, we, uh, there was a worship team that I was on, um, I ended up going. Ended up switching, going to this other church, and uh, it was a church of about three thousand people. And this is back in the in the eighties and nineties, in the punk era. And there would be people that had like the big pink mohawks at church, and they were like, if you took every freak in L.A. and put them in a church, that's where they were at church. And so we had some people that got saved that were traveling with Prince, and they were part of our worship team. So anyway, so we went down to this area of where the UCLA, UCLA campus is. And there were five streets that actually came together, and there was at the at one point there was a, the sidewalks came to a point. It was in front of a bank, and we would set up our worship band there. So when I started going, they just first said, "Hey, just come and pray, and we're just going to share the gospel. You can't just like go hop into the to the with the worship band. You had to kind of they kind of wanted to, to kind of see how committed you were. And so um so anyway, so the worship team would go down. They would do really awesome music and like i said they were kind of they were real radical looking too and people would stand around and watch and then we would be able to share the gospel with people but the guy that led the group he said just to let you know he said we have the we have an arrangement on the on this corner because there was literally around three hundred thousand people on the streets in this area where we would go on the weekends so he said we have a deal that we made with the Hare krishnas how many of you guys know what the Hare krishna is let me show you a picture. Go to the next slide here for me. I brought a picture to show you. The Hare Krishnas were huge in L.A., and you can see that, uh, well, they're a cult. They, um, you know, this is their leader in this fun little sofa chair. Anyway, they all dressed in orange because, well, it's kind of like Sundays or Saturdays here in September. Um Just not quite as cultish, but anyway. So they all dressed in orange, and they would bring their chimes and their drums, and they would do these chants, and there would be like sixty or seventy of them. They would—you could hear them like a couple blocks away coming in with their instruments. So he said, "Just let you know, we have a deal arrangement with the Hare Krishnas. We have the the the, uh, the 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 corner." from like eight to nine and then nine to ten, we let them have it and then we go back. And I'm like, that's really weird. You're, they let it working with the Hare Krishna because they're just, they're whacked. And anyway, so. So anyway, so I would go down there and then there would be some people that would come to want to share their faith with people down in this area. And, and they weren't, didn't come on a regular basis, but they would go up to the Hare Krishna's and they, all the men had their shaved heads and they had ponytails. They would, the Christians would go up, get this, and they would like yank their ponytails. They would throw tracks in their robes. People, the Christians spit on them. And I was like, this is really not not right. So then after a, a couple of months, the guy who was in charge of the group, he said, from now on, when the Hare Krishnas come, our group is going to form a big circle around them and let them do what they do, and we're going to keep people from harassing them. And um, anyway, so that's what we did. And as we started doing that, we would be at church, and we would be in worship, and you'd hear some little chimes and some little drums, and the Hare Krishnas started coming to our church and a bunch of them accepted Jesus. Isn't that so cool? You guys, God gives us opportunities to minister to people, and he gives us opportunities to do the right thing and to really love on people, and that's where they really see a big difference in us. Let's look at the the first point I want to make. There's five points I want to make with you about taking the opportunity. The first one is represent Jesus and leave the results to him. And I'll tell you this, this is kind of a little pet peeve of mine. If I hear one more Christian tell me to stop hating gays and walk in love, I might get violent. Because I don't know about you, but I'm tired of that. I tell people all the time, I've been walking with Jesus for like 35 years or whatever, and I've never met a Christian that hated gay people or were mean to them. You know, it's like your mom burned the biscuits one day, so you're never gonna eat a biscuit again. Yeah, there's some people out there that are mean to gay people, but that's like a small percentage of us. But we need to just represent Jesus and then leave the results to him. Let's look at the next the next verses here. It's from John chapter 14. It says, If you if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Verse 16. And I will ask the father who will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it is, it neither sees him nor knows him, but, but you know him for he dwells in you and, and will be in you. Next slide. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I think about this from time to time. Think about this. You were the disciples, and you're walking with Jesus for three years, and he comes and says, hey, guess what, everybody? I'm leaving. Can you imagine how they probably panicked that he was leaving? And then he says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. He says, yet in a little while um, the world will see me no more, but but uh, but you will see me because I live in you. And he says, in verse 20 he says this, and that day you uh, you will know that I am in the Father in you in me. But he tells us that he will send the Holy Spirit here to be our comforter and to be our helper. And then he says, hey, guess what? I'm leaving, but I'm not leaving you as orphans. I'm leaving something better than me being here with you. And that's what we have. We have the Holy Spirit that will lead us and guide us as we take these opportunities and as we take the risk. The Holy Spirit is already moving. So many times when we get the opportunity to minister to people, God is, is already moving. Look at number two, point number two. Allow the Holy Spirit to interrupt your journey. See, that's, that's, that's definitely for me. I get so busy, I'm really tasky, um, and I, I work almost every day from a to do list. I'm one of those people that puts it on the to-do list to mark it off because I did it yesterday. It just feels really good. I don't know if anybody else does that. But um, but allow the Holy Spirit to interrupt your journey. Um, Look at this next group of handsome guys right here. Look at this. Tito, don't you agree? A handsome bunch of guys? Yes. It took them a while. I don't know. Um, This is... (laughs) These These are the guys from our last men's breakfast that we did Except for you can see this lady here in the front Her name is Cherie And she's always been our server And this is so cool That the first time we were at Shoney's and we met I just said to her, I said I already knew her name, and I said, "Sheree." I said, we're going to pray before we eat, and we're all seated, and she's standing up with her coffee pot and probably some menus or something in her hand, and I said, "Sheree, we're going to pray before we eat. Is there anything we can pray for you about? And I'm just thinking, she'll just tell us something or tell us yes or no and walk away. She said, oh, yes, and she puts down the coffee pot, and she puts down the menus, and she grabs the hands of the guys sitting down, and we all just, oh, wow, I guess we're having church right here. (laughs) And so we all stood up, and so she asked us to pray with her about some stuff. So now it's a highlight of this Saturday morning breakfast for me to go and see her. She's waited on us five different times, and every time we go there, I mean, we're building a relationship with her, and we have an opportunity to minister to her, and she's got some really heavy issues in her family. But she told me the other day, she said, I knew you all were coming today, and she said, I couldn't wait to have her prayer time. But it just took that that we just took that opportunity to say, is there anything we could pray with you about? And it's making a big difference in our life. And I just think I just think it's so awesome. And uh if you're um men here, if you ever want to get together on our uh for our breakfast, uh we just have a really, really good time and they keep getting better and better all the time. But let's look at point number three. Dedicate your daily path to God. Now I happen to work from home so I'm spending a lot of time by myself. But um I would encourage you that as you go to work, as you go to school, um, to dedicate your daily path to God and ask God, God, show me, interrupt me today. I'm asking you, your Holy Spirit, to to interrupt my journey that I would be able to minister to somebody today. I know Susan, my wife, she gets the opportunity to minister to people all the time. Where uh, She told me a story not too long ago where... A mom, or maybe a grandmother, came in with a with a young girl. Susan's a, a nurse practitioner and works in pediatrics. She brought in a young girl and she said, "Well, I just need you to help because she's just really angry." I don't remember how old she was, maybe grade school. She was like, "She's just really angry," and and uh, Susan just started talking to them. Well, the dad's never been around. Maybe mom was in prison or whatever. And Susan had the opportunity to say, "Well, no wonder she's angry." But the thing that's going to fix her, and then Susan had an opportunity to minister to them and talk to them about, hey, here's some great churches in town. You need to get her in church. She needs to know her Heavenly Father so that these things will get fixed in her. But um, we need to dedicate our daily path to God. And when we do, um, and ask him for those opportunities, he'll bring them to us. Let's look at First Thessalonians chapter 5. It says this, starting in verse 14. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those... Who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for, and for every, and with, for everyone else. Look at the next slide here. Oh, we're at verse 16. Okay. So we're, um, first Thessalonians five, verse 16 says this, rejoice always, pray continually. Man, I I looked at that for years and I thought, what pray continually? What does what does this mean? What how do how do you do this? How do you pray without stopping? And it says and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. The, words, con, the word continually, it means this. It means to pray without intermission and remaining on alert. That's awesome. How many of you guys have ever watched? The old Ten Commandments movie with Charlton Heston. How many of you guys ever watched that? Have you, I don't know if you've ever rented it, like on or gotten it on like DVD or anything, even VHS in that time. But if you've ever rented it, and I remember my mom telling me you're going to see that she was going to see this movie when she, when she was younger, and she went into the movie theater. And in the movie, the movie, you know, the movie actually stops in the middle. If you remember, it stops in the middle, and the words come up, and it says intermission. And that's when everybody, you know, went to take a leak and get some popcorn. And, um, but what the, what it's, it's impossible for us to pay, pray continually. But what the word of God is really instructing us to do is for us to just not take an intermission from, from being sensitive to the Holy Spirit and just asking God to lead us and to guide us, to, to guide our steps, to interrupt our journey. And then with that, he's asking us to remain on alert sometimes when I have opportunities to to pray with people or, or to minister to people it's it's a huge it's a huge surprise to me I'm not really ready for it but sometimes God will kind of prepare kind of prepare us for it and uh, but other times we just need to stay on alert um, let me show you uh, I was going to show you a, a picture on the slide but um, but when he gets some back up I'll show you but anyway uh, about uh, four years ago um, I was getting on an airplane, and I was asking the Lord, "Give me a divine appointment. I just really want to minister to them." I was I was flying home from somewhere, but my plane was anyway. I ended up in New York, and getting a plane from New York to back to uh, Knoxville, and so um, anyway. So I'm getting on the plane, and there's the two seats on the side I'm sitting, and there's this young. Like 15, 16 year old guy sitting. Of course, you know, for those of you guys that don't know me, I've worked in youth ministry for years. So I love ministering to teenagers. So I, 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 see, I see this 15, 16 year old guy sitting in, in the seat where I'm going to be sitting. And, uh, you can go to the next slide. And, um, anyway, this is a guy named Josh. And anyway, so I ended up sitting next to this guy and we just started talking and he was kind of quiet at first. And then he asked me what I was doing. And I just started talking to him about the Lord. And I just knew God was doing something and uh, as I started talking to him, he started crying. And uh, he was just looking out the window, and I was just quiet, and I didn't say anything for probably about 30 minutes, and he just kind of gave him a space. I didn't know what was going on. And he said, this is crazy that you're sitting next to me. And I said, why? And he said, this is my last day in New York where I used to live. I'm going to, to Florida to live with my aunt and uncle. And he tells me that his dad was the pastor of a church, and his dad just resigned that day because he was having an affair. And what an opportunity to minister to this guy! I said, I I still, I actually, I think he might be coming to visit us in the next month or so. I stayed in, I've stayed in contact with this guy ever since. And I said, Josh, send me a picture of you. I'm going to talk to you about how we met on the airplane that day. So he just sent me this picture the other day, just (laughs) texted it to me. But you guys, God gives us such great opportunities. If we ask him and when we and when we are open to just really take that opportunity but this is something where this kid really needed somebody to pray with him and and we sat and we just I just talked about the goodness of God and how people you need to walk in forgiveness with your dad and it was just a really an amazing time of how this how the Lord set this up and then I've been able to keep a relationship with this guy he's in college now and he's doing really well and he's a fireball for Jesus sometimes when he texts me I'm like oh my gosh he loves Jesus so much more than me but he, he is so awesome so um, I asked um, I asked Luis if he would come up and talk a little bit Luis and I uh, travel a lot we do do we've done some stuff here in the states together we would travel a lot internationally and we are when um, when I'm out of the country and I'm doing ministry and I don't know maybe Tyler you guys did the experience this when you guys were in Africa this summer but then I don't have to worry about work and all these other things and Answering the phone, and there's less distractions. So, so many times I'm asking God, give us some divine appointments today. And we have, and Luis and I have had some incra- crazy encounters with people where the Lord has uh, led us to do some ministry together, which I couldn't do without him because I don't speak Spanish and he does, or Portuguese, wherever we are. So, but anyway, I just, I just asked Luis to come up and I just asked him to share a couple things that's on his heart about some divine appointments. <laughs>
1: Woo! Good morning, everybody. It's such a oh, thank you. It's such a privilege to me to share uh, some things about divine appointments. And when Rick asked me to do this, uh, my first thought was, divine appointment is not just meeting new people. It has to be something farther than that. Let me let me share something with you. It's one verse from First Peter uh, chapter four, verse ten. It says. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And I was thinking, what what should I share about divine appointments? What would be appropriated? And they say, why not share my divine appointment or one of the best divine appointments that I had in my life? 5 years ago I was working for a ministry I was doing many things in that in that small ministry but one day my boss said hey luis there is a guy from the united states that is coming to ministry the youth he's like a preacher machine he loves preaching so you will be his interpreter and i said well one client more bring it <laughs> so then i met this Huge guy, 6'4", tall, his name was Rick Mills, and we met, and he was very nice. We started preaching for a week, and after a week, before the service starts, before he would be preaching, we were resting in a nice couch, couch or couch? Couch, right? And And I started feeling something. And I felt that the Holy Spirit was telling me, you need to tell him. You need to tell him, say, say how your life is. I was living a double life. My life wasn't really good. I was doing bad things. I was doing good things. So the Holy Spirit started convicting me, convicting me. And I wasn't sure, but there was one point that I said, Rick, I need to talk to you. I need to tell you. I need to confess some things to you. And if you will fire me, and I won't be your interpreter tonight, it's okay. But I need to tell you. And he said, okay, Luis, tell me. And I opened my heart, and and it was like I was carrying a huge burden, and then I was free. It's not just meeting new people. I met Rick one week before, but we had a divine appointment. The Lord waited for a week to have such an impact in my life. After that, many other divine appointments happened in my life. In a bus, in a long line in a bank, in my church, in my family, with friends. Obviously with new people. But what a great verse from 1 Peter 4.10 to remember that it is not about me. It is not about me. The gifts and the talents that I received are not for me, and not for making me famous. It is to serve the Lord. So I wanted to say four things about divine appointments that I think is very interesting to think about it. And the first one is be intentional. Be intentional. Look for it, ask for them, and pray for divine appointments. Rick and I were talking the other day because we had a really great divine appointment And I was thinking, wow, this is so great. This is so good. But this is so odd. And this is so strange in my life. I don't have divine appointments once a week, twice a week, three times a week. Why? I don't pray for them. And I should. I should pray for divine appointments. I should be ready. The second one is be humble. Have you been around a, a person that is called a know-it-all? It's not annoying. It is annoying. We should be love-it-all. Because we need to be humble. The Bible tells us many, many times that the Lord loves humble people. The third one is be available. Be the person that someone calls when they need help being talked of. The ledge of the temptation. Being available. Hey, wow. Luis, but uh, I'm kind of shy. It doesn't matter. And Luis, I'm too young. Samuel was a kid. But he was available. Yeah. Uh, but I don't have the resources. It doesn't matter. God never calls, trained people. He trains those he calls. Yeah. Let's be available. And number four. Don't give up. Uh, There was a very famous politician called Sir Winston Churchill. And he was invited to give a speech in a very uh, very big university. And he was in front of the students. And he just said, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about the Lord. I want to finish with this verse because this verse was great for me this week. It's in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Maybe you know it, maybe you don't. But it says, let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessings if we don't give up. Let's be humble. Let's be available. Let's be intentional. And let's not give up. Don't give up. That will be great for our future divine appointments. And I will be praying for our future divine appointments. Thank you very much. Thank you, Rick.
0: Thanks, Luis. That's awesome. Very good. Let me finish up with, with a couple more verses here. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Great stuff, Louise. Thank you so much. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and verse 6, it says this. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. <clears throat> the one who plants, the one who waters, have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. Point number four is take the opportunity, Yeah, that's, that's the wrong way, yeah, pursue love, pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. You guys, it's amazing when you're ministering to people and God brings somebody into your life and you're able to to minister something to them, that the Lord will show you something about their life. And I'm not trying, I'm not talking that we need to be kind of mystical and, oh, look what's happening, but we need to be sensitive. But the Lord tells us in First Corinthians that we need to earnestly seek spiritual gifts. And using those spiritual gifts, I heard Pastor James say this somebody a couple weeks ago, our spiritual gifts are never meant for us. They're always just meant to help somebody else. But when we when we operate in spiritual gifts and we have opportunities to minister to people, It's just that you get God gets you, you. How personal is it that if I met Carrie and I'm able to talk to him, hey, the, I feel like the Lord's showing me, and I start to say something, he's like, "Wow, I didn't know that that anybody would know that about me. How cool is it that those kind of things happen?" Luis and I, when I when I was uh, talking, to, when Pastor James asked me to speak today, it was a I don't know maybe three four weeks ago or something, and uh, he he kind of told, kind of told me the, kind of the topic he wanted me to cover. And um and so I started say I started praying. I was like, God, I just haven't asked you for some divine appointments. I haven't asked you just to put me in front of the right people at the right time in a long time. And I I'm just gonna ask you, God, I'm ready for you to do that for me and and show me who I somebody I can minister to. Well, I'm sitting at home in an office you know, with Luis, and so, you know, so I can't really share the spiritual laws with him because he knows them. And um, anyway, so, um, anyway, so I said, hey, Luis, let's go to the Mexican restaurant by the house today, and we'll get lunch, and we can kind of work a little bit while we're there. And so, um, just to kind of get out of the house, so I said, let's leave at 12.30. Well, at 12.30 came. I said, well, let's try to leave at 1, and 1 came. And then I said, well, let's try to get out of here by 2 because the lunch special's end at 2, we'll have to pay more. And so, 2.15, <laughs> we leave the house we're 10 minutes away, and we go in to the restaurant and we meet this guy. go to the next slide. We meet this guy named Moses. And um, so anyway, it's just so cool how God's timing is so amazing. So we get there at 2:30, or a little before like at 2:25. Which the lunch specials ended at two thirty, so we still got to save some dough. And um, anyway, so we're looking at the menu. Anyway, this guy comes over and 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 or he's actually at the door and he's talking to somebody else. And I saw him and I just knew, I just knew in my heart that something was going on with him and God was setting us up. So we started talking, asking him his name. He says his name's Moses. We started talking and how not lift. Check this out. So we get there way later than I wanted to, but he gets his break at three o'clock. So from 3 o'clock to 4 o'clock, he comes and sits at his table, and we just start ministering to him. And not only does God know exactly what he needs, but it just so happens... Somebody knows Spanish at my table, <laughs> and so he knows English. So, but Louis got Luis got to really minister to him in Spanish. It was just such a great time, and so we started talking to him. And he had been asking God, God, I want to know if you're real. I want I want something else. I need something else to happen in my life if, to show me. And so we come in, and so we led him to Christ right there at the, in, the, in the restaurant. And so we, yeah, it's so awesome. So we've been so we've been back several times. And uh, and we keep ministering to him, and we're praying with them, and and uh, soon he's going to be coming over to our house for dinner. But it's so awesome that that day I prayed, and the Lord set us up at exactly the right time that we were able to spend an hour with him after uh, after he came and brought us our order. Let's look at the last verse, and we'll we'll finish up. This is John chapter fifteen. It says this, I, and this is some of my favorite verses in, in the in the Bible here. I no longer call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing but i have called you friends. Man, that is awesome. That's us. We're not servants, but we are friends of God. We are friends of Jesus. Um, for all that i have heard my father, I heard from my father, i have made known to you. You did not choose me, but i chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fr- your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask in my name he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. You guys, this is God's, God wants to set us up with great opportunities. And I love what Luis had to say about us expecting things and being determined and being humbled and doing this. Like I said earlier, I have not in any way mastered how to do this. I'm not saying this is a part. I wish this was a, I wish I was telling you I did this every day. I wish I had these divine appointments four or five times a week, but I don't. But it's a new goal for me. Let's look at the last point and then we'll, we'll finish up. Number five. You're never alone when you're out of your comfort zone. Boy, when we, when God gives us these appointments, we're like, oh man, here I go. We're stepping out of our comfort zone. And let me say this, every time we get out of our comfort zone, we're always walking in obedience. And he's always with us, and he will always lead us and guide us. Amen? Amen. Let me take a minute and just pray for you guys. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity today to read your word. And I pray, Lord, that the people today would be encouraged. I pray that they would be encouraged and I pray that we would begin to step out of our comfort zone and to do what Jeremiah 33.3 3 says that we can call unto you and you will answer us and you will show us great and mighty things that we do not know. I thank you for this, Father, I thank you for this, Father. Lord, we we uh, set before you the people that are on our lists. And we thank you that you are working on our behalf, that you're working in their lives, that you're ministering to their heart, and you're ministering to their spirit. Set us up with some great divine appointments, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Jared, would you go to the last, with the back up one slide for me just want to encourage you with one last thing if you guys maybe probably a lot of you have heard the story of Corey Tim Boone but if you haven't I'll just give you a little background this is uh, her family they're a Christian family and um, they were in Holland and uh, her dad was a watchmaker and they ran a uh, her family ran they helped run the shop where they fixed and repaired watches and they started hiding uh, Jews in the Holocaust and they hid Jews for four years and it's a great movie. Her book is called The Hiding Place. Um, you can find interviews with her on YouTube. It's it's amazing. Anyway, this is her, her and her sister, Betsy. But anyway, their family, when she was 52 years old, their family, she was arrested, and her and her sister, even though they were Christians, they were put in a concentration camp. Her sister died there. But um, And their stories are incredible. Her stories are incredible. But this is her a little bit before she died. But um, I heard this story about her the other day that when she was 12 years old, she was sitting with her father, and she said, Dad, I don't know if I was ever martyred for my my faith that I could really do it. And she said, How do you know that you really have the strength to really suffer for Christ? And and she said, And then my father said to me, He said, Corey, before you go on the train, when do I give you the money? Three months before you go on the train? Three days before you go on the train? And she said, no, you always give me the tr- money at the train station when I need it. And he said, that's how the Lord is. You don't know what you can take or you don't know what you do, but he's always there and will give you what you need. That's 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 the Lord for us in these scenarios with our divine appointments We don't know how we're going to do it. We don't know how it's going to work out. But we know that I guarantee you, he will fulfill you and he will give you the strength and he will give you the words to speak right as you get ready to start ministry. Amen.